Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that short sentence. We are so happy to be back uh, with our full programming going on. We had a blast last week. I still can't get over how much fun it was to do our fall share, and I'm going to gush for a while because gushing is fun, and the listeners at Faith Radio are amazing, and you were so generous and so kind and so loving and... It was spectacular. We're all, our hearts are so full around here. So thank you for that. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen fourteen says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's my wish for you today. And I hope you've had a good day. I hope your weekend was good. We're going to start uh, by catching up with Patrick, my guest that gets things started after a long weekend. Uh, he's my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome to the show. You forgot prestigious city of West Des Moines. I, I was getting to that. I'm a little off today, but I'm getting there. Yeah, you know, in fact, when I was I was trying to call in last week, I couldn't get through on the line. I go, it's, it's Patrick. And they, they were like, Patrick who? I go, you know, Albany's. I go, yeah, it's not, that's not, uh, not ringing a bell. <laughs> you know, Bill, Bill Arnold's friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious city of West Des Moines. They're going, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, funny, funny. All right. Oh, so yeah. I was thinking about technology with, and you and I both like technology, of course, but there is something interesting about gray matter in your brain. And when you use a lot of technology, for instance, when it comes to things like GPS, which I think is the world's best invention, by the way, because I don't seem to get lost ever anymore, but it does start reducing the amount of gray matter that your brain uses. I mean, if you want someone oh, yes. with a big amount of gray matter, you would talk to like a London cab driver who knows the entire city by heart in his head. Yeah, it's it's funny. And, and I mean, you can still get lost with GPS. And I, and I always say, as you know, that there's the worst kind of lost is GPS lost. Right. That's the most you're panic staring, loss. It's the most panic. You're saying, I trusted you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You we're supposed to get me there. Uh, you know, and it's it's it is amazing how lazy we become because I find, um, like I've been going and doing a little bit of work, um, a friend of a friend's house, uh, and they live about 20 miles away. And so, you know, I, I plug it into the GPS and I get guided there. And, you know, two days later I have to go back and I go, I got to plug it into the GPS. You go in the old days, the first trip I would have learned how to get there. Right. And then I would never need to consult the maps or the GPS again. It, you know, and as I was going, I would start to look for things going, okay, what's the first street? You know, there's the gas station. Right. You know, they told me, you know, look for the third gas station, turn left at the third gas station, and you'll never forget it. Now, you know, GPS is just gently telling you turn left, turn right in 300 feet, which who can even judge 300 feet? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just, just, you know, give me a picture that shows me all the streets and I'll turn on the one you have the blue line on. But then we don't learn Anything. We don't learn the streets anymore. I don't know street names anymore. How many phone numbers did you used to have just tucked away in the old noggin? Oh, lots. Now I don't have many because they're all on speed dial. They're all on speed dial. In fact, there was a time in my life where um, 
I had at the, by, by the time I had moved to California, I uh, grew up in Illinois, lived in Florida for four years, and then I had a California driver's license. I would still be able by memory to tell you each of those states' individual driver's license numbers, mm-hmm. various phone numbers I had in places. I could I had I had every credit card. The sixteen-digit number was in my head. Yeah, yeah. Now I reach the wallet every single time, going, "What was that again?" Right. <laughs> you know, it's it is so. I I think you know the technology has made part of the brain lazy. Well, there was a time when your brain would create cognitive maps where you'd go, "All right, there's that uh, dry cleaners, and that's where I turn right," and you start building these little cognitive maps in your head. And that's how you start to get to know your way around. And, and it's actually good for your gray matter. And I get concerned, you know, when people say, well, I can't me- memorize scripture. And I think, well, why not? Why can't you? I think you're, you're just freaked using, out about it. You're not using your brain for maps anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there should be plenty of space for scripture memorization because there's no maps anymore. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I used to, you know, uh, when I lived in Los Angeles and I was doing triple espresso a lot and I would be performing in the Midwest, uh, as you know, I preferred to drive. And this is before the real smartphones. You know, you had a flip phone, which, of course, got no service throughout most of Utah, New Mexico and and all the states, that, mm-hmm. depending on if you took the northern or the southern route. And I had done the trip so many times that I would make the trip without consulting an atlas, any maps. Wow. And sometimes as I, was, as I was leaving Los Angeles, I'd get on Interstate 15 and I'd say, do I want to take the southern route this time or the northern route? I remember one time I, I just on a whim, I said, just at the turnoff, I said, I'm, I'm going to do the southern route this time. And of course, I don't need any maps because I've memorized it. I know, I know where the hotels are that I'm going to stay. I know where I'm stopping. Mm. And it's funny, I get to uh, uh, just past Albuquerque to Tucumcari, New Mexico. It's right there on the border. A lot of you probably know it if you've done the trip. And uh, I turn on the television and I see that had I gone the northern route, I would have been caught in an avalanche. <laughs> yeah. So there <laughs> you go. No idea God takes care of you when you're on the road. Yeah. But that was just a whimsical thing. But yeah, now I, I'm thinking, gosh, could I even do those? I could probably still do those trips. Those might still be in there. But If I have a two-mile trip on a straight road, I still use GPS. Yes, I like to watch the countdown. Eight hundred feet. I'm getting close. Right, but talk Isn't about it amazing how. Yeah, talk we about. We used to do all those calculations in our head, by the way. Oh, I know we did. Now talk about the way you do. Yeah, you do Sudoku or crossword puzzles, and I think that does help the gray matter in your brain. I'm hoping it does. Uh, so uh, I, I probably do too many, but I like to start in the morning, especially if I'm having insomnia. And I like Sudokus and I like Ken Ken puzzles. Now, and people that aren't familiar with Ken Ken, it's similar to a Sudoku in its appearance. It has the similar grid with the numbers one through nine, but there's actual mathematical equations embedded inside of all the patterns, various. So there'll be uh, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. And they'll take three or four of the squares, and that might be in a serpentine type fashion. And they'll say the six numbers that go in these squares add up to a total of 1,701 if you multiply them together. And so now you have to get all the numbers in there while still following the Sudoku rules of the numbers one, the digits one through nine, not duplicating in any row or column. I find them particularly challenging uh, and they, you know, they, I'm hoping they're helping with the gray matter. Mm. I don't know. I know. There, there is some studies that do say that you're, uh, the bigger the hippocampus in your brain, 
uh, it is a protective element against uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. So, you know, I guess it is good to do those exercises. And I want to say, I think scripture memorization is one of the best things you can do, period. End of sentence, full stop. There I said it. You know, I, I, but two things. First off, I, I, yes, uh, the big, I love that they call it the hippocampus because, you, <laughs> you know, if it was a smaller animal like a ferret campus, you'd say there's just not much room for improvement here. Right, but there's lots of room for the hippo. Well, the hippocampus, come on, you can't, there's, there's no denying it. But I think when it comes to memorizing scripture, I think the, the daunting task is sometimes trying to force something to happen. And so, it might be easier to say, let's pick a passage that you, maybe you're familiar with, or or pick something that that speaks to you, that will be easy to memorize, like memorizing the lyrics to a song. If you like a certain song, suddenly it's like I I didn't make an effort to learn those lyrics, but I know them all. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it spoke to me. The song spoke to me, or the melody spoke to me. Well, the Bible is full of melodies that will speak to you, so maybe that's a good place to start. You know, find something that you just say, I just, you know, but instead of looking, that's a, it's a large book. <laughs> right. And it can be very daunting to say, well, oh my gosh, I can't believe that there are people that have memorized, you know, all or most or even, you know, large chunks of this. It's like, well, pick one thing, maybe, that you happen to like. Well, I think because everyone, so much in there, yeah. you'll find more. Everyone could start by memorizing Psalm 23. I, I would promise you, you, you'll never, ever regret knowing that in your heart. Great place to start. I, place. I, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think any of the proverbs can be kind of fun because uh, I know you and I often talk about the 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 grandmother advice, where it's not till you're much older that you realize, Grandma, that thief, <laughs> all, all those great ideas, she got them from the Bible. Yeah, of course. All right, you know, I, she might have paraphrased them a bit, but but you're going. Grandma was speaking Bible to me all along. I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. I love when my listeners write me jokes, and I got one here from David. He said, there's a new GPS called Senior GPS. It tells you how to get there and reminds you why you are going. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad Uh, idea. Not a bad idea. No, it's, uh, I I think, wasn't it, it was, you had a, you had a very funny GPS joke. uh, (laughs) Let's not go there, but I know I appreciate that. All right, yeah. um, let me take a little break. We'll come back. Lots more with Patrick Albanese. If you uh, uh, are thinking about memorizing Scripture, let us encourage you. That will not only fill your heart, and it'll, it will inspire you, but it will also improve your gray matter in your brain. And you're going to be happy in the long run, having uh, a more exercised gray matter. All right, we'll be right back after a little more banjo music. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel every... Never get tired of that song. That is the theme song to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Uh, Patrick, you know, I'm getting more concerned uh, by the day when I start to hear stories of people that I know and people that are being uh, really debilitated by the isolation and the fallout from COVID. And 
I know God's in control of history, God's in control of all that's going on, but for those who are suffering and then having uh, a series of things happen in their life, I'm getting very concerned about their, their mental health and well-being, especially those who have got a past addiction because they can easily fall back into it. And I know you yeah. and I both know several people in this situation, and it's of great concern to both of us. In fact, uh, I ran into someone today uh, who I know this is one of their struggles, and it was 10.30 in the morning, and I could smell alcohol on oh, his I'm breath. I'm so sorry. You know, uh, he's going through an awful lot of stuff, uh, but, you know, the, the shutdown and the, you know, the he hasn't fully lost his job, but he's had his pay cut severely and the hours cut severely. And, uh, you know, it's, it, uh, what do you do? What can you do? I, I'm hearing too many of these stories and, you know, we're, we're looking at a lot of collateral damage to this stuff and it's, it's so hard to predict. You know, we do these lockdowns, and but we are not, we haven't really taken into account what is the long-term effect. Uh, I know there's a big struggle here in Des Moines because some of the schools still haven't opened. And the heat's coming down because people are saying, my kids can feel it. Yeah. Are, so they're not, are they playing sports in, in Des Moines? Some of the places are playing sports. I, I know of a couple of parents that uh, decided to find a way uh, I guess a second mortgage ought to do it to put their kids into one of the Catholic schools here because the Catholic schools, their sports leagues seem to be up and running and their kids are very athletic and that's what they wanted to do. Um, you know, my kids went back today. They were out last week. So we went to school, then they you know, booted them out for about a week and a half. And my son, you know, cried the day he found out that he was going to be, you know, sent back home for home learning for a week and a half. Uh, because they were pushing for longer, uh, nobody was sick. They had just been exposed to somebody who just tested positive. They they never said anybody was sick. They just said somebody was positive. People were exposed to them. Were short staffed. Were sending people home. And he was weepy again this morning. Just he says, "Well, I'm glad I'm going back to school, but the masks. It just it's hard to study with those masks." So. You know, he's ten. Um, I imagine a lot of the other kids. One of his best friends. Uh, chose to stay home learning because he's become at 10 years old. He's so paranoid of COVID. He's afraid to go to school, afraid that's, to go to school. Yeah. That's really, really sad. Yeah. So uh, we had them over the other day and we had a big sneezing party. Nah, I kid about <laughs> that. Uh, he misses his friend. So, which is my son and so, but he's comfortable around him and that is his only time escaping from the house. If, so we invite them over whenever we can because their son is afraid to go to school. They've oh, scared him. Oh, I just hate hearing that. I mean, this should yeah. be just the most joyful, fun times in life. And you hate to have that fear instilled in kids. I mean, you want them, you want them to be cautious and, and protective, but you don't want yeah. to have them just run around afraid. You know, you see people kind of almost jump away from you in public because all of a sudden you're too close to them, even though you both have masks on. It, it's mm -hmm. kind of, it's kind of disturbing to see how some people react like you're, you're giving them the plague or something. Yeah. It's tough learning how to smile with your eyes. Uh, cause that's a new art form, you know, cause I don't know you've, if you've had this experience, you're, you know, walking down a grocery store aisle and 
oops, somebody's coming the other way. One of us is going the wrong way, right? Uh, and you're trying to acknowledge, hey, hi, and you realize, well, I'm doing it all with my mouth. They have no idea. For all they know, I'm cursing at them right now or saying something that's just not that like one of us is going the wrong way. And I think it's you. Um, and what you're really trying to do is just a gen gentle smile, something that a smile would have covered. It says, hey, how are you? Whoops. My mm -hmm. mistake. Sorry. Um, you know, you realize, oh, my gosh, I can't even communicate that now. I have to learn how to try to do that just with my eyes. And I, I don't know if I've become successful at it. And I, I truly miss the communication. It's so subtle when you think about, you know, some of the great actors in the past, when you'd see how much happens in their face, just with the slightest downturn of the lips, mm -hmm. how much it communicates. I said, I'm missing out on 80% of the communication that happens on a person's face now. Yeah. There's so many people that are not getting a smile now and then, and it's, uh, it's affecting them in a, in a horrible way. Mm -hmm. I, I, I truly, uh, fear that we can't continue this way for, uh, you know, I was concerned that if, if the school that my kids are going to is going to go through this pattern of every few weeks saying, okay, a couple more positive cases, your kids are back at home now. This is of course, as parents, you're, you're trying to juggle, you know, one of us needs to be home. Uh, you know, in fact, the other day when my kids were home, they're working on our street and the bulldozer broke a gas main. And so now we've got gas leaking into the neighborhood. The whole house smells like it's about to, to go up. And I'm thinking, what a horrible time for the kids to be home. We're about to blow up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. If they were at school, they'd be fine right now. So, and then your, uh, your wife works in the uh, business of theater, and theater business is continuing to be kind of in a shutdown mode, especially because uh, Broadway says, eh, we're going to sit this one out for a while. They're, they want to sit it out. Uh, you know, sometimes you wonder if part of that's political, where they say, well, you get us a vaccine and we'll think about it. But, of course, the performing arts venues, because most cities have social distancing guidelines, if you have a, you know, a 2,700 seat theater and you're only allowed to fill it say with 1200 people because of these guidelines mm -hmm. you can't afford to pay for a broadway show you right. have to give them a guarantee so the broadway shows aren't exactly saying we'll cut our price in half you know their expenses are what their expenses are and if you doubled the number of performances to try and make up for the shortfall you would be on the hook for even more money so the performing arts venues are sort of stuck too because they say we can't make the shows work yeah. Unless we have capacity, we need capacity to, to pay for these things. Cause some of these shows will be six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a week. Yeah. You know, and if you're only generating half of that, uh, Doesn't work. well, you won't be in business all that long. Yeah. And it's too bad because there's a lot of good shows out there and it's nice to be fully entertained once in a while and enjoy a night out with loved ones in the theater or, you know, other entertainment venues. There's not a lot I can endorse, but uh, it is fun to get out once in a while and see a good show. It sure is. And, uh, you know, it's I think people are going to start to realize how much they miss it. I mean, my brother-in-law went to a movie the other day because you can go to movie theaters here in Iowa. It's pretty limited, but it's doable. And he was talking to a friend in California who said, you went to him. He goes, we can't go anywhere. Wow. He says, I haven't been to a restaurant or a movie theater or anything since April. And he's moving to Chicago, which I don't know if that was the best move. <laughs> so, well, Chicago's kind of shut down a bit too, but you know, at least if you're in the city, you'll have some options. But he couldn't take it anymore.
So he's leaving. Yeah. I know there's a number of people doing that in New York City. A good friend of mine is uh, moving uh, next week out of New York City after being there 14 years. So, yeah, a lot of people are fed up with the big city, and they're looking to get into uh, into smaller smaller cities, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I mean, I've, I've, I love them, and uh, I grew up in Chicago and left L.A. to be in a small suburb of Des Moines, which is a small city, and I couldn't be happier about the move. Yeah, so. I'm not surprised. So yeah. um, it is uh, always interesting to uh, talk to people from all walks of life because you and I have a lot of friends uh, that do a lot of different things, and mm. we have a tendency of being around a lot of people in the entertainment business. And I, it is uh, troubling to see what almost feels like a complete collapse of an industry. I mean, people yeah. are still getting takeout food, um, and there is still some online entertainment stuff going on, but for the most part, nobody's getting paid. Right, right. It's uh, why would somebody pay for that? Right. I, I guess it's the attitude. And I've seen a couple of people say, well, I've started a lawn care business or one guy I know, uh, quite a talented performer, but he's building tree houses and playhouses for people. And he says, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to go back into show business, which would be a shame because he's really quite good. Uh, and so, you know, the, the jobs will get filled, right? You know, yes. when, when all of this goes away in a couple of years, there'll be a new generation of performers and uh, we'll get back to the way things were and people will truly remember how much they enjoy going to see live entertainment. I agree. But I think for a lot of people, it's just such a shame to see that, you know, their career was ended for them. Yeah. I'm curious as to how this experience will reset how people interact with each other, though, too. I mean, right now there's there's like you say, when you go into a grocery store with a mask on, you really don't talk to anybody or you don't make small talk or everybody kind of stays to themselves and you kind of avoid eye contact. And we're getting good at avoiding each other now. And I hope uh, that when we get back that we we unlearn all that stuff quickly. I think people like you and me and. And, and your listeners will be on the forefront of it because you understand that you know you're not going to be expanding the kingdom unless you're engaging people. Amen. And you have to be an engaging person. You have to be willing to engage. And I know you like to do it. I like to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how long they shut us down for. When when the masks come off, we'll be back. I'm engaged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite Billy Graham lines is uh, imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. And it's harder and harder oh. to do that with masks on. Uh, people are more reluctant to engage even with you with a mask on. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. Have a great rest of the week, and I will talk to you again soon. I'll leave you with one thing to chew over for the next few days. Okay. Do you think people should answer hypothetical questions? Mm, let me get back to you on that. Yeah, get back to me on All that. right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Patrick Albanese is my guest. Uh, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back.
All right, it is time for the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Rebecca. Rebecca. Say, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't say it like that. It doesn't matter. You got to say it your way. It sounds funny if I try to say, oh, yeah. See, that's not bad, is it, David? <laughs> Show you right. <laughs> it's good to be here, Bill. Thank you. Nice to have you here. It's good to have the team back here. Yeah. Because yeah, last, we last Monday we were not available because we were doing our fall share. And I have to say, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. I, I'm just gushing still. Is that is that okay, David, if I gush a little bit I more? I think gushing is wonderful. Oh, yeah. I think Th- thank you, dear listeners. Thank sweet. you, dear, dear, dear listeners. You're so amazing. God is so amazing in your life because you're other-centered. You know, we live in such a self-centered world, but listeners at Faith Radio are other-centered. They think about other people all the time. Amen to that. Crazy. I love it. I think it's so cool is that, you know, <clears throat> in this beautiful time of being with Jesus and celebrating and being before the Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb at Revelation 18 and having someone tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, I, I know that you don't know me and it might not seem like a lot to you, but because of your generosity, I'm here because I was driving in my car one day and uh, because you were so rich in your generosity, I heard a message and it gave me hope and I gave my life. And oh, by the way, these people behind me, that's the generations of people that have been transformed right? <laughs> because of you, you know, mm-hmm. so because Jesus like taking a little and multiplying it, you know, and remember You know, we often think of big things, but Jesus in the gospel points out the little boy who brought the loaves and the fishes. Mm -hmm. So it matters Mm -hmm. what we give to the Lord. All right, David Miles, we've got the book of Acts open today. Let's let's get to it. Book of Acts, awesome. Yeah, chapter one. It's a good place to start. The Acts of the Apostle, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things that right after uh, Jesus gives us the Great Commission... Um, and it's like, go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. And we've talked about this before, eth- nations, and the word Gentile is ethnos, from which we get our word ethnicity. Um, and he says, baptizing and teaching. What's neat about that, too, baptizing and teaching are both present active participles, which means they're happening ongoingly in a repeated manner, meaning there's actual proximity with people's lives that we're doing this. And so then you come to Luke and Luke opens up his gospel. And, you know, one of the reasons why I just want to pause and say that we're having this conversation is this. I'm not sure if we were talking about this before. I'm not sure if we had hit on this before. But at the in August, there was an article out by the CDC, and the CDC was noting that 40% of Americans have been struggling with mental illness and substance abuse mm-hmm. in their end of June report. And they had really connected that to the whole issue with COVID and precisely isolation. Mm -hmm. And the reality is God has made us for community. And as the late Ravi Zacharias would say, we're made for community because we see community in the Trinity. And that God has community in the Trinity with one another and therefore modeled in our own lives. And they had actually seen an uptick of about 11% of people who had considered suicide. And so... Just a real, you know, deep concern of what was going on. And the reality is that we've been made to be connected to one another. And so when we jump into, you know, the book of Acts, we see these amazing um, examples of community. And the first one is God gives us a promise of power for community. And we see that in Acts chapter 1, 5 through 6. But before we go there, Rebecca Bill, what do you guys, when the word community comes to mind, and even to our listening audience, when the word community comes to mind, what do you think of? Uh, Joy. 
That's a good one. Yeah, that's the first one that came to my mind. Excellent. That's nice. I like yeah, that. Yeah, joy. People that know each other and are committed to each other. So it's a group. I think the proximity, too, plays plays a role. People have to be near each other. It's hard to think of community as somebody being far away. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to hear from our audience as well. But, yeah, community, common unity. It's the gathering of people together in a space, shared values, shared commitment to one another, um, we may remember this, like this term that's been used a time called koinonia, mm-hmm. and that was like a word for fellowship, but it also implied financial commitment, like a, a real commit, deep-seated commitment, and we see that in Acts chapter 2. But what we see in Acts chapter 1 is, again, Jesus gives the Great Commission, and then in Acts 1-3 it says, He presented himself alive to them, the disciples, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, which is always an important reminder to us that our commitment ultimately for believers is to the kingdom of God above all things. And so on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And so Jesus was literally saying, like, in the midst of all of these things that were going on, now we have to also understand this is a persecuted minority. These guys were hiding out because they had said, we're following Jesus. And even though the religious leaders in the States branded him a criminal. So when Jesus died, that's like a massive just, like, letdown. Like, what, what just happened to our lives? We committed ourselves to three years. So Jesus, raised from the dead, shows up. And he's like, guys, wait for the promise. And he literally is like, guys, wait, wait. Wait, wait for this promise. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was telling his disciples at that time, guys, listen, this is not going to be church as usual. But notice here, what's really fun, I love Scripture. Scripture is so amazing. It's just so cool, just in so many different ways. And like, like us, the disciples come back and they say, you know what? They have this kind of problem of misplaced perspectives. In verse 6, they said, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is asked in a certain way in the original uh, ancient language that's a repeated type of way. It's an imperfect. So literally they were saying, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And before he could answer, they're like, no, 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 Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, 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 are you going to restore? And so when we read scripture, sometimes we don't fully, it can seem kind of distant. In essence, this is what the disciples said in a way that we understand. Lord, is this the time that you're going to make Israel great again? Well, PD, what do you mean? Well, when we look at scripture, they had been oppressed by the Babylonians under Daniel, the Medo-Persians, then the Greeks, and then the Romans. And so they had been living, basically colonized by all these various communities put. And so when Jesus shows up and turns the bread, the loaves of bread, and multiplies, and Jesus raises from the dead, these guys are like, you know what, this is our moment, seriously. You've overcome death. It's time for us to take over. And here's how Jesus responds. He, He says this. It is not for you to know the times, chronos, chronological time, or the dates or season, keros, that the Father has set by his own authority. But he says, focus on this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
and you will be my witnesses. It's also that word is used for martyrs in both Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he says, you know, you're going to be witnesses for me in these three areas. First, in Jerusalem, which was the religious center. It was a religious arena. But Judea was the social, political, and economic arena. And then Samaria was the racial arena. And saying that to the ends of the earth, that you're going to repeat those three things again and again. So part of the things is, what are the areas, as you're listening to this, what are the areas that we struggle going to? Go ahead, Rebecca. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> Thank you. You guys should see this in studio. These it's, guys look at each other. Everybody's looking at it's, each other back and forth. It's the Mr. Blinky show. Everyone's blinking at each other. <laughs> Who's going to talk next? Well, it's like, look up the tiles. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think people struggle, most people struggle speaking in public. We have this fear that if we're called upon to say something important, uh, that it'll be too stressful, that we'll say the wrong thing, that it won't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that that idea of the public square and also these days, I think there's just so many um, divisions that people are worried if I bring up something controversial, something about my faith with my friends, maybe they're not going to be my friends anymore or I'll get sidelined at work or or those types of things where we're a little concerned about that conflict and what other people will think of us. So consequences, huh? Consequences. (laughs) Good word. Mm -hmm. Yes. So. An interesting thing in this article by Lyle Schaller, he wrote an article on individualism, and he said, how do you build community? He says, the easiest way to consolidate a group is to give them a new common enemy. Mm. Wow. That's good. And when you look at, you know, some of the three major cases of our society, there's, there's an incredible book out right now by Isabella Wilkerson called Case, The Origins of Our Discontent. She wrote another book called warmth of other suns. But it looks at three kind of major case systems that have existed. India with Brahmins, uh, also looking at the Nazi Germany one, and then also even looking at America and looking at how through the Nuremberg laws in uh, June 15th, 1934, there was a big gathering and 17 officials basically looked at some of our case law and used that to construct Germany's law for Jewish people. It's amazing. But but creating a common enemy. But here, a more scripturally sound way, Schaller says, is to develop shared experiences and support of a common cause. And as the Church of Jesus Christ, we've been given that in the Great Commission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, and also in the Great Commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The Church is such a powerful vehicle that God wants to use. And to the listeners who are using, you are a part of one of the most powerful witnesses that there are. So once again, thank you for your generosity. Oh, wow. All right, let's talk about some of the uh, the marks of health in community. Ooh. What so, does it look like? What does a healthy community look like? Because what you did was just really fired me up. Okay. I mean, you that's very inspiring. And Rebecca, I think, is fired up too. <laughs> I love it. I take notes every time you come in. So that's, that's he's, just he's the kind truth. of on top of his game today too. He don't is. You think? And and there's a tie and everything. I know. This is kind of freaking me out a little Super snazzy. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's incredible is this morning I had the privilege of doing a homegoing service for a gentleman in our church and uh, a guy named Hal Logie. And one of the things that's really funny, I said God gave the gift of Hal 
to us, which was heaven's answer of love. How? And what was so cool about this, gentlemen, there was a guy who came to the service today. And how was a person? You'd sit down with strangers and just like talk with them about scripture. And people were like coming to Christ and just, just talking. And so guys, listen, be available because the person who we didn't know was going to be at the, at the homegoing service at the end, he came and so had him come up and share. And he talks about how this man impacted his life and was the embodiment of Jesus. God wants to use you. Will he use a pastor? Will he have, no. Yes, he will. But he wants to use the unique you that you are. And it was so beautiful. I love Christian um, homegoing services when a person follows Jesus because you're able to go into something and when you walk out, you don't have to say like, wait a minute, was I at the funeral of the right person? Because all the stuff that was being said about that person or kind of made up doesn't seem to match their life. Mm-hmm. And when you are able to look at perfectly imperfect people who Jesus loves and he works through our fallenness, and it's like, well, PDM, I don't have it all together. Well, this is the illustration I gave about Hal. I said, you know, Hal was like a strawberry. He was really sweet. But because he got put into Jesus, he became a chocolate covered strawberry, which (laughs) made him even sweeter. (laughs) So that's why I'm wearing a tie, but I personally love ties. I love ties. So let me ask you, Bill, when you think of health, what do you think of? What comes to mind? We'll answer that after the break. Super. Yeah, you listen to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. We'll be right back. Back with the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. It's always interesting what goes on during the break. And David, you, Rebecca says something oh, you want yeah. her to instantly repeat. And <laughs> so I, I, I love agree. When, I love when Rebecca brings it. Well, I, I was just often. wondering. It is often. Chocolate covered strawberries is probably my new favorite food just of all time. Just so I'm a little distracted by that. But my thought that, that we were discussing during the break was on the subject of power. And you're talking about God empowering his people with this brand new way of relating, a brand new unity, a brand new oneness. And I was thinking that's interesting because I think in our natural, we would rather avoid conflict or then when it comes up, we divide over it. We tend not to stay unified, and it can be very difficult to bridge some of those differences or some of those conflicts, Mm -hmm. but many times we reach the point, sometimes rather quickly, where it seems like, you know, I'd rather just walk away from that person and not try to keep going forth to pursue that relationship. And I was wondering if the idea of power in community extends to something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things is that, and we get silly about the word power. Um, My definition, power is is just the ability to affect change. And so one of the things is that God gives us power in order to do that. And one of the things that happens is, um, you know, you take 1 John 4.18. It says that perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So oftentimes we feel like not enough And one of the things is that God brings us to the point where there's this gap. And when we look at the gap, we sometimes feel inadequate to step in that precisely because we are. And one of the things, follow me for a second, what we tend to forget is that 
Jesus is in the gap looking to embrace us and to carry us. So it's like literally like our self-sufficiency, like, I don't know if I can do that. I, I, don't, I don't know if I really can, I can go there. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. And our fear sometimes keeps us from stepping in into that. I, I like to say this. There's a fine line between fear and excitement in the Christian walk. Fear at our inadequacy, but then excitement at how God comes and he shows up in a manner that he alone gets glory for. And so when certain things come up, we want to just be like, I'm not sure about And like when we step in there, we're like, God, I need you to help me to love and to listen and to be present and to be attentive and really press on. And the benefit of that is God is glorified, but we grow in intimacy with him as well because we're seeing, oh, my goodness, this isn't some sort of theory type of thing, you know. And one of the one of the things like at New Hope Church, we're a Christ-centered community for all people moving towards Jesus and taking others with us. And so sometimes like today, one of the big things that's a divide and tension is all peoples. But where that divide is and where that break is, that's an opportunity for Jesus to show up. And I usually want to encourage people when people are like, oh, I'm not sure if I like this and I'm going to leave. I want to encourage leaders to say, you know what, what is your struggle there? Okay, now how does the gospel apply to that? And how can Jesus show up and grow us into maturity? Basically, Paul's prayer. When he says in um, chapter 3, he prays and he says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father of heaven, from whom every family, singular, in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory. So who are we trying to? We're trying to do his kingdom, his glory. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted like an agricultural term and grounded like in an engineering construction term in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints community. See, we're highly individualistic, but this is, this is talking about community because we can be really good on our own. But it's like when we rub up against other people, that, that's when the rubber meets the road and the, the proof is in the pudding. And he says, with all the sense, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know, not theorize, not, not theorize about it, but to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So there's that point. Look, like you're saying, Rebecca, I'm in this situation. Can we really do this? I'm not exactly sure. Well, lean not on your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because in our knowledge, we're not. And God's saying here, wait a minute. I want to surpass all your knowledge. I want to surpass all your knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So when we come to these points in relationships where we're really struggling and there's a part of us, it's like, God, okay, I need you to fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. I need you to put inside of me stuff that helps me to comprehend the height and length, the depth, the breadth, and the width of God's love, which is the gospel. When we realize I never have to forgive a fallen and perfect Tammy or person more than a perfect and holy God just forgave me five seconds ago. And so, so well, I, I'm still not sure. Well, Paul then goes on to pray. Now to him who is able, when we're not able, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. Well, wait a minute. I don't think 
Great. Perfect place. <laughs> Step in the gap. Jesus is there to embrace us. Parent, you're feeling like right now school's just started. And you're ready to pull out your air because on a normal, normal starting of school, it's, it's nutty. But now with distance learning and hybrid learning and all this, and you feel like you're coming to your end and you're just like, I have three children. It feels like they're about to become two. Okay, God's wanting you to step towards him and let him step into that moment because to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Because then what happens? To him be glory in the church, corporate. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So in our, in our insufficiency, we find his sufficiency. And in finding his sufficiency, he alone gets the glory. Because, like, people know Bill and they know Rebecca and goodness knows they know me. And so it's like, uh, that didn't happen on his own, you know. And so that's the part of the relational um, that God is wanting to just step towards us in community. And I think that's why, like, even the Emperor Trajan in the 4th century, he would look at the Christians and he's like, oh, how the Christians love one another. It was just, like, overwhelming. How could people be this way, even in the midst of Roman persecution? All right, let's close in prayer. I was going to say, <laughs> we need to pass the plate and close in prayer. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, powerful stuff, David. Yeah, and if you didn't get an opportunity and, and to be a part of the share we are always just grateful for people who, even beyond share times, send in resources because, again, you are part about helping this message um, go out to people. And uh, let me say, the other day I met a service guy, and uh, he shared with me just how his 23-year-old cousin had died from brain cancer. And I had an opportunity just to say, hey, can I just pray for you? And I just prayed for him over the phone. And he was in tears. He's like, Dave, thank you so much. You don't know how much that meant. And my wife and I had him over for supper. And it was just really, just a really awesome person. And so you never know what little. I mean, like, I, was, I prayed for the person. But how much that means. And so your ministry, whatever God's laying on your heart, step towards someone. And if even just step towards them and just say, you know what? God loves you. Can I just encourage you that there's hope that Jesus loves you? And that that's cool. So, And neither Rebecca or myself encouraged him to say that. That's true. That was yeah. completely organic. Yeah. And unscripted. Organic. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, David. You're welcome. And I've been feeling honored by all the, the moments that we've had over the last week to be able to pray with listeners, to submit your prayer requests. And just so you know, we always pray for you. If you ask for that, we consider it an honor to be able to do that. And I've, I think that as I hear stories for just from friends of mine, I've never heard anyone turn down a prayer request. No. If you offer to pray for someone, yes. that can mean a lot. Maybe it's not their normal thing or it makes them, you know, just kind of different, but I've, that it has opened more doors that I have seen for people just to know, hey, you you really care about me. You're willing to, you're not just listen to my problems, but it matters to you. Wow, that's really cool. And it's a beautiful moment to be able to step towards one another and to build those relationships and open those doors. Yeah. And then in Acts chapter 3 in 46, it talks about really every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Yeah. That sounds like that's what you were doing with this gentleman, having him into your home, mm-hmm. uh, enjoying breaking bread with a glad and sincere heart. It was, it's super, super cool. And it means a lot. And, you know, I, I look forward even to next week when we come back and actually talk about health and what marks of health for a community. And I guess like for those who listen regularly on Mondays, think of some stuff that you want to share or questions that you want to ask, because we really would love for this to be interactive. And we love including what you're saying into the comments and discussion that we're having, because you're very important and your voice is very important as well. Yeah. You can always send anything you want to add into the Monday afternoon mix to bill at myfaithradio.com. That's Bill at MyFaithRadio.com. Let, it, let me know it's for the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. That wraps up our time. We are going to be uh, back with Hour 2. I'm excited to be joined by Heather Holloman. She's written a new book called Scent, Living a Life That Invites Others to Jesus. And then Dr. Hugh Ross is going to be joining me, maybe one of the smartest guys I've ever met uh, over the phone. And he's written a new book on weathering climate change, a fresh approach. Dr. Hugh Ross, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.